tradition at Living Spring uh, at Easter. Uh, we connect with hundreds of years of tradition. Pastor Michelle showed you uh, what the church has been saying for uh, centuries is I say he is risen and you say he is risen indeed, okay? So we're going to try that as a, just to connect ourselves with history, okay? Ready? You guys ready? All right. Don't mess up. Don't mess up. It's Easter. It's a big deal. Okay, ready? He is risen. Okay, I love it. I love it. Don't, don't, don't blow it now. Okay, so as you heard from the degenerate people in the back, uh, we, say it, we say it a little different at Living Spring because nobody says indeed anymore, right? So if I said to you, if you said to me, John, I finally got that job, I would not go, you have gotten a job indeed. I wouldn't say that, right? I'd say, dude, that's awesome. You got a job. Even if you're a female, I'd say, dude, that's awesome. That's just how we talk here at Living Spring. So now we're going to do it the Living Spring way, and this will change your life, okay? I'm going to say he is risen, and you're going to say, dude, that's awesome. But before you do it, I'm going to get my phone. Because <laughs> I, I want to videotape this. I'm going to put it on the social media like an influencer, a content creator, okay? Okay, ready? Okay, hold on with that. Okay. He is risen. He is awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh. If you're new here and you're like, man, this is the wackiest church I've ever been to, this is the church. This is what we do. This is this is us. All right. Well, happy Easter. We're really glad you're here. It was super exciting to baptize those four people. And uh, what I want to talk to you this morning about, for those of you who might be followers of Jesus for a long time, uh, this might be old news. But I'm hoping that by the end of the day today, you will have uh, maybe another different outlook on how you view the resurrection. Because the resurrection is it for our faith. So me as a follower of Jesus... I'm a follower of Jesus because of the resurrection. And you might have a question if you're a skeptic or you're uh, uh, not even, I don't mean skeptic in the negative term. It's just like you think things through. You're, you like to uh, use science and reason and all those. I am with you. I, I, that, that is me too. I, I, I don't just blindly believe in the resurrection because it was some made up myth and I have to believe it. So what I wanted to do this morning was take a little bit of a history tour uh, before we get into a section of scripture that the apostle Paul wrote. So just a little history. Jesus died in about 30 to 32 AD. We don't really know exactly when, but it was about that time. And there's no scholar, whether they're theologians or atheists or whatever, that don't agree that Jesus was an actual figure of history, okay, and that he died. We, we, we pretty much all agree on that. And that happened around 30 to 32 AD. And so the question then becomes, did he rise again? Because for me, that's like a big hint. I hinge my entire faith on this concept of Jesus rising from the dead. And so we look through the scriptures specifically through the Apostle Paul and how he references this resurrection. Now, let me just give you another little history lesson. 
Paul wrote this book. Uh, it was actually a letter to a church called 1 Corinthians in 55 AD, 20, uh, about 25 years after the resurrection. Now, before I move on, I just want to ask you a question. Do you know what happened 25 years ago? Okay. 25 years ago, uh, Princess Di died. You remember that? You remember that? You probably know where you were, right? When you heard the news, you know, it was really terrible. You probably watched the thing, you know, Elton John singing Candle in the Wind. I mean, you, re you probably remember all, all those different things about Princess Di. You probably were still wondering. Maybe you followed the tabloids. You're wondering, did, was she killed by, you know, the deep state or whatever, you know, all the different conspiracies and all that kind of stuff. You remember 9-11, right? That was 22 years ago. I know exactly where I was when I heard that the plane had uh, hit one of the buildings. And then I drove to work and we turned on the TV and I watched that building fall. It was so heart-wrenching. I can't get it out of my mind, right? My point is this. I couldn't tell you, no, Princess Di didn't die because you all know she died because you lived through it. Now, for those of you who are in your uh, late 20s, you might not remember uh, Princess Di. And you might be going, oh, what's this? But you, you have people around you that certainly do. As a matter of fact, if you believe in the seven degrees of separation, you probably know someone who knows someone who knows someone who actually knew Princess Di, right? If, if you've ever seen kind of one of those things work. There's no way to get around it. So when we see that Paul wrote this 25 years after Jesus' death, we don't say, oh, I get it. Yeah, he waited until everyone died, and then he started this idea, right? We don't do that. Now, just again, because I'm a kind of a skeptic at heart, um, so we understand what's going on. Paul wrote 13 letters that we have compiled in the, the Bible, okay? Theologians, even the most skeptical, and by theologian, I don't mean Christians. There, you can have a theologian that's actually an atheist. Uh, I don't know if you knew that, but you can. And that, that's their job, is to study this idea of God, even if they don't believe. And even the most skeptic theologians say he wrote six of these. So I'm not even going to talk about the six. I'm going to talk about one that they all agree on, 1 Corinthians. The Apostle Paul, 25 years after Jesus' death and, I believe, resurrection, wrote Corinthians. It gets... Even uh, uh, closer to his death, he visits Corinth three years prior. So they all know who he is. He planted the church there with the help of Apollos. And, and, and so they know. So we're getting even closer to the resurrection. There's no denying it. There's no tricking anybody during this time. Okay. Actually, before that, in 44, now we're 12 years away, or 14 years away, uh, he preached this almost exact same sermon that he wrote to them. Now we're 14 years away from the resurrection. There's no fooling anyone or tricking anyone during this time. And in 40, which is 8 to 10 years away from the resurrection, he visits Peter. What do you think? The Bible says in Galatians, which scholars also believe he wrote, what do you think they talked about for 15 days? I'll bet it was the resurrection. I'll bet he sat with Peter. Well, first I'll bet what he did is if he was anything like me, uh, he sat there and he's like, bro, bro, just seriously, did you really walk on water? Did, did you do that? 
Because I've heard stories, man. Come on, it's just the two of us. It's, did you? You know, Peter's like, ah, for like three steps, and then I lost my faith, and I fell in, and Jesus had to rescue me, right? He probably asked him about the 5,000. So how did it happen? When, when you were bringing the baskets, was it like bubbling up with fish? Like, how did it, how did it happen, right? He probably talked about all those things with Peter. One thing I know he didn't say to Peter is, hey, Peter, let me in on this big Christian thing you're doing. Well, why don't you let me in on it, right, on the scam? Because I'd like to go all throughout Asia Minor and plant churches and have people throw rocks at me and beat me for it. So just let me know. Oh, and I don't want to get paid ever for it. <laughs> right? I want to go on a ship, which at that time was one of the most dangerous things you could do. I want to go on a ship and talk about Jesus to every place and have them drive me out of city. How do, how do I get on this, on this Christianity scam? No, no, no. You know what he said to Peter? I'll bet. I'm using my imagination. What was it like to walk with Jesus? What was it like to touch him, to hug him? What was it like when you betrayed him and he brought you back? What was it like? Because for Paul, his salvation came when Jesus was already ascended. His salvation came when he was on the road to Damascus to persecute Christians. Christianity was taking off. Why? The resurrection. The resurrection. As a matter of fact, it was only five to seven years after the resurrection that Paul became a follower of Jesus. The reason I follow Jesus is because I think it's a historical fact that he died, was buried, and rose from the dead. And if that wasn't enough, he predicted it. And for me, personally, I bet my whole life on it. I'm a follower of Jesus, not just because I believe, it, it is a step of faith. There's no doubt about that. But every important decision in your life is a step of faith. Right? I married my wife. That was a step of faith. I didn't know if she would be an axe murderer or not. How do I know, right? <laughs> I, I was like 21 years old or whatever, you know? What did I know at the time? I didn't know what was going on. She was, it was a step of faith for her. Now she's lost her salvation many times because she's married to me. But the point is, it's a step of faith when you have kids, right? It's an act of faith. All your important decisions, taking that job is a step of faith. Faith isn't some magical thing you have to muster up. This is what happens in all your important decisions. And let me just tell you, as you heard the testimonies behind you, the step of faith to follow Jesus it's the best step you can possibly make. Now, let's take a look at what, Jesus, uh, what uh, Paul says about Jesus to the Corinthians 25 years after Jesus died. He says this. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. See, even those who knew, there were people in this church who probably had seen Jesus after he rose from the dead. And even they needed to be reminded, hang in there, hang in there. For some of you, maybe Easter was a time you're coming back to the church, maybe stepping your foot in the church one time because you left and you're like, didn't get struck by lightning, didn't get struck by lightning. Okay, okay, right? And he says, hang in there. You can do this. It's good you're back. It's good you're coming back. And so he says this to them, to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. Here's the gospel. 
in, in as clear terms as I can say it, we are broken. We are broken inside. You know this. You can turn on the news and just, just look at Congress. You'll see how broken we are, right? Just, we're broken. The Bible calls it sin. It's missing the mark. It's just, we, we, it's, it's on our own. We can't measure up. And so the reason that I follow Jesus is because when he died, he paid the penalty for that. And the fact that he rose from the dead means he broke the bondage of sin and of death. And that's why I stand before you today because of that. And so Paul's saying this to the church. Hey, you guys, don't forget the gospel. Don't forget the gospel. Don't get all churchy. Don't get all churchy and this and that. And is this right? And is this wrong? And no, 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 don't do that. It's the gospel. You were broken. You were dead in your sins. Jesus died. He was buried and he rose again and he paid the price once and for all. He says, the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. This was a persecuted church. Okay, it costs them quite a bit to follow Jesus. We in America, in the Christian church, talk about that, you know, times are changing and we feel kind of persecuted. We are not even close to being persecuted. He says, on which you've taken your stand. Now watch what he says in verse 2. By this gospel, this resurrection, by the gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise You've believed in vain. If the resurrection didn't happen, I believe in vain. He says, for what I received, I passed on to you as first importance. What is for Paul, the apostle Paul, wrote 13 letters. We'll just scrap them and say he wrote six, okay? He did write 13, but we'll say it's six, okay? What could be first importance to him? How often he reads the Bible? How often he shares his faith. What's of first importance? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. And that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. What's really cool about this section of scripture is Paul's quoting right now. He's quoting a creed. So back in this time, not everyone could read. Okay, And so you would share orally these testimonies and these stories and these different things and and so they would make up a creed that you could memorize and that's all Paul is doing he's reminding them of the creed they had all memorized because it's so important that Christ died according to our uh, for our sins according to the scriptures he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures according as, as far as living springway let's say it he is risen there you go. There you go. That's, it. That's our creed, by the way. All right. And that he appeared to Cephas, which is just another word for Peter. And then to the 12. Now watch. Here's what he says. Because the resurrection is so important. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of whom are still living. Go ask them, Paul says. Go, 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 go check. If I said to you, hey, Princess Di died, and you, maybe you're in your 20s, and you're like, I don't even know who that is. She has Di in her name, so I guess that makes sense, right? You don't even know. Oh, I'd say, go ask your <laughs> You just got that. <laughs> just go ask your mom. Go ask your dad, right? They saw the whole thing. They probably watched it on TV, right? There are so those who are still living, though some have fallen asleep. This is so sweet, the way Paul talks about death. 
Because as a follower of Jesus, one of the other things I look forward to is spending eternity with him. It's not just a transaction that he died, he died for my sins and now I'm free and now I can do whatever I want. No, no, no. It's a relationship. And when I pass, I'm going to be looking in his eyes and worshiping him forever. And then this is really cool. He says, and then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. You know what's really cool about James? James was the half-brother of Jesus. Okay? Do you know what it would take to prove to your brother that you're the Messiah? Okay? I have a brother. Ain't no way. He threw me down the stairs in a suitcase. Okay? He's seven years older than me. He ain't the Messiah. There is no doubt about that. But listen, listen. Think about that, though. One of the reasons I believe what I believe is because Jesus' brother believed it. How is that possible? So James, the half-brother of Jesus, believed he was the king. He didn't at first. You can read it in the Gospels. He says, hey, hey, Jesus, when are you going to reveal yourself, bro? Huh? What are you going to do? Oh, look at you. When are you going to reveal yourself? Just like a brother should do. Yes, your job as a brother is to mock your other brother. Right? And all of a sudden... James changes. Why did James change? Because of the resurrection. That's why. So here's the creed. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. I wrote a creed. I made one up. I'll, I'll share it with you in just a second. But it's just an easy way to remember what the gospel is. And here it is. It's so dumb. But you're going to love it. Watch. Christ died for our sins and went to the grave. He rose from the dead so that we can be saved. There you go. See that? That's a little creed. I'll post it on social media along with my other content that I have from this Sunday. But watch what he moves on to do. It's so important. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. This ain't just an idea of what religion are you. No, no, no. This is, this is it. What we celebrate today on Easter is it. It's the resurrection. And, if, and if, it hasn't, if he hasn't been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses. Remember what I said? There was 25 years. You can't fool these people that he's writing to. They, they can't be fooled. They're just like you and I. There's no difference. It's not like we're so much smarter now. As a matter of fact, there could be a <laughs> very good case that we're not as smart as they were back then, but uh, this is where they are. You're not fooling them. And he says, now I'm, I'd be a false witness if that didn't happen about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. He goes on. We're going to skip a couple verses. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep, right? Those who have died are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people to be most pitied. If I'm making this stuff up, Paul says, what good is that? The, the reality is, as clearly as I can say it, he didn't make it up. You can't fool people 25 years after an event happened. You can't make it up. Maybe 100 years. Maybe, you know, maybe 80 or maybe you wait till everyone dies and then it just becomes a story. Oh, some of them are st were still around during this time. 
he goes on, and this makes a lot of sense if you think about it. And for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? Like, you think I'm doing this for my health, Paul, Paul says? You think I'm making this stuff up because I'm making money? I'm driving on a private jet? You know, I got my teeth whitened? No, it's not any of that. Toupee, all this, it's not, it's not that. He says, I, every place I go, there's another section of scripture I don't have time to get into it, but he's like, man, I've been beaten with rods. I've been hit with rocks. I've been shipwrecked. I've been, I have people drive me out of the thing. He's like, man, it would just be so sad if the resurrection didn't happen. That's basically what he's saying. Wouldn't that be a pity that I'm going around getting beat up and doing all this stuff? He can do it because it did happen. It did happen. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you, in Christ Jesus our Lord, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus <laughs> with no more than human hopes, what the heck? I translated that. What have I gained? What have I gained? Now, why do, you, why do I bring all this stuff up? Uh, because Paul wrote in another book to another church. Uh, we just read that he was, uh, he was like, chased after by wild animals in Ephesus, right? Well, he wrote, he actually planted a church in Ephesus. And uh, his, his uh, associate pastor, Timothy, took it over. And, um, and so he wrote some letters to Ephesus. And here's what the point I want to make for this morning. This faith I have in Jesus, based on the resurrection, is more than just my salvation. It's more than just a ticket out of hell and into heaven. Although it, there's the, definitely a part of it for that. It's everything for me. It, it affects my marriage. It affects me as a dad. It, it's, it affects me as, I, again, you're like, well, John, you get paid to be a Christian. <laughs> right? No, I get paid to be a pastor. Okay? There's a big difference right? Most pastors I know, they're not even Christians, okay? They're just, no, I'm joking around. I was, I was bad. All my pastor friends would laugh at that, so don't, 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 don't worry about it, right? Why, why, why is it everything to me? Because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that I have access to through the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and community that allows me to get through this thing we call life, Here's what he says in Ephesians. I pray, he's saying to this church, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened, that you'd see it, that you'd catch it, that you'd feel it, that you'd taste it, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power. For us who believe. I get through tragedy because of the power of the resurrection. I get through disappointment because of the power of the resurrection. I can forgive people that I do not want to forgive because of the power of the resurrection. I get over bitterness that might have plagued me for years, but I can stop it right there because of the power of the resurrection. I can't do any of that on my own. I have hope because of the power of the resurrection. It's my whole life. 
What we celebrate this morning is literally my whole life, and it really happened. And you're not going to fool Corinth. <laughs> These are smart people who believe in their Gnostics. They believe in science. They believe in reason. They're, it's a prove-it-to-me culture. This is the power. It's great power for us who believe. That power, listen, is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, not only for work tomorrow, but also for the age to come. That Jesus that raised from the dead, I'm going to spend eternity with. And as sure as I know that he was raised from the dead, because you ain't going to fool Corinth <laughs> and these other churches, they all knew. They all knew this wasn't just some made-up story. As sure as I know he was raised from the dead, I know that when I die, I'm going to be with him. So what I want to do, I don't know if Tanner's still in here, if Tanner, if you could come forward and just, thanks, man. I don't need the whole band, just Tanner. <clears throat> no offense, band. <laughs> Tanner's going to, uh, <laughs> I told you Living Spring was weird. I call us the Church of Misfit Toys. I really do. I love this church more than anything. I love it. Um, Tanner's going to play some music just because it, 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 it helps with kind of the feeling of what I have to tell you, what I have to ask you this morning. I would be remiss. It would be inappropriate for me to let you leave out of here without an opportunity to have the same relationship with Jesus I have. You say, John, you've known Jesus for 30, 40 years. I can't. It's no different than it was the first day. I'm broken. I, 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 I'm, I'm a wreck. I need a savior. I need someone to pay that penalty for me. And it was Jesus for me. And so in the Bible, there's no prayer or raising of a hand, right? So if you've ever seen in a church, you know, every, you know, if you want to come to Christ, you raise your hand and pray this prayer. There's no prayer in the Bible. The, the command in the Bible is follow me. It's a life decision. It's an everyday thing. It's wake up in the morning type of relationship with Jesus. And so what I want to do this morning is actually lead you in a prayer. Okay? And maybe for some of you, this is the first, you never even thought, like, I don't, I don't know, I guess I just wanted to go to brunch after church. I had to, I got drug here. But something's been stirring in you. And maybe for the first time you go, you know what? I think I'm going to follow him. I think I'm going to follow him. For some of you, you left. You started out and you left. He wants you back so bad. He wants you back. He's saying, stop striving on your own. You can't do it on your own. 
He says, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yes, you'll have to make changes in your life. I've had to make decisions in my life that I did not want to make, <laughs> that he made me make. And yet I'm so thankful. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And uh, if you uh, want to pray this prayer, maybe for the first time, or maybe um, uh, you're coming back and maybe this is a renewal of faith for you, I actually am going to ask you to raise your hand. And this is why, not because it's magical or anything, but there's something about the commitment. There's something about saying yes to him. That's all the hand raise is. And so I'm going to ask us all to bow our heads because this is between you and your heavenly father. This is not between me and you. It's between you and Jesus who was raised from the dead. So if you want to pray this prayer with me, if today's your day, I'd ask you to raise your hand. Great. Awesome. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. You just made a decision to follow Jesus, and I applaud you for that. Now, let me lead you in this prayer. It's so simple. You can pray it to yourself. Some of us who've been Christians for a long time, this is the 80th time we've prayed this prayer. I could pray this prayer every morning when I wake up. I would pray this, Dear Jesus, I am sorry for my sin. I am sorry for my mistakes. I accept you as Lord. I accept you as my Savior. I accept you as King. And I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Please forgive me. Maybe for some of you, you didn't raise your hand, you were nervous, and I, the hand raise doesn't have anything to do with anything. It's just your way of saying, no, I count me among those who want to be changed by the power of the resurrection. For some of you, it might be a couple days from now, you're like, you know what? I want to go, I, wa I want that. And you make your decision then. The resurrection happened. It really did. You can't fool Corinth. You can't make this stuff up. And the power of that resurrection is available to you and I to get through tomorrow. Amen. Amen.